I promise. Those two words are powerful words because whenever you say, I promise, you're obligating yourself to something. You know, when, when you say to your kids, I'll be at the game tonight, I promise. Or when you say to your spouse, I'll be home at five, I promise. Or when you say to your boss, I'll get it out today, I promise. You're obligating yourself to something. Those simple two words are powerful words because when you say them, you're obligating yourself. Did you know that in the Bible, God has said, I promise. That in the Bible, there's several instances where God has obligated Himself to do certain things on our behalf. In this series, we're looking at some of those promises that are found in Scripture. Some of those places where God has said, in essence, I promise. Today, we're going to look at one of the most quoted promises in all the Bible. It's probably the most well-known sentence that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. And it, it is the foundation upon which God might be doing something important in your life. It's found in Romans 8.28. It's a verse that you already know. It's a verse that some of you have probably memorized. It's a verse that some of you know by heart. But, but let's read it again, and here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you to read it with me out loud. I'm reading from the NIV, if you have that translation. Uh, let's read this verse out loud together, this familiar but powerful promise. Here we go. And by the way, when I say let's read it together out loud, that means you participate. Okay? Here we go, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. Here's the strange thing about this verse. If you're in a place in life where you really need that promise, you're probably not ready to hear it. I mean, let's be honest. If your world has been turned upside down by death, or by cancer, or by financial loss, or divorce, the last thing you want to hear is somebody quoting Romans 8.28. Right? the last thing that you need. I mean, you need that promise to be true in your life, but at the moment, it just doesn't feel like it's true. At the moment, it just doesn't seem like it's true. So here's what we're going to wrestle with today. Is God at work when life throws us a curve, or is it all just chance and circumstance? I recognize that when I speak today, and this is as kind of bothered me as I was preparing today, recognizing that I'm speaking to some people who life has really thrown you a curve. Life has been hard. Life has not been fair. But life doesn't always go according to the script, does it? I mean, you've got the script. You know the way you want it to turn out. You know the way you want it to be. You know the story you'd like for it to, to, to tell. But life doesn't always work according to your script. You thought your job was safe, but now you go to work wondering if you're going to make the next round of cuts. You thought your marriage was fine until you walked in one day and he or she said, I'm leaving. You prayed for weeks for something that you knew was going to work out, but it didn't. It all fell apart. Or, or 
it seemed like a routine physical until your doctor found something that he said was very serious. Or you plan to retire early and now your IRA looks more like an IOU. Yeah. Wasn't a good week in the stock market, was it? Life doesn't always follow the script that you have. Sometimes regardless of how hard you've worked, how long you've, uh, you've been praying for something, how well you've lived, how hard you've planned, sometimes life can catch you off guard. It sure did for Chippy, the parakeet. I don't know if you've heard the story. I've heard that it's a true story, but I can't verify that. But Chippy the parakeet was having a, a normal, everyday, good day. He was sitting on his perch singing songs, as parakeets do, until his owner decided that she wanted to clean Chippy's cage using the vacuum cleaner. Now, it was all working fine because Chippy was up on his perch and she was cleaning the bottom, you know, just suctioning out the bottom of the cage with the vacuum cleaner. Everything was going good till the phone rang. And she turned to, to, to answer the phone. And when she turned to answer the phone, all of a sudden she heard a... And she, she looked and she didn't see Chippy anymore. She dropped the phone. She, she ran over to the vacuum, tore the bag open, and there in the dust lay Chippy. But he wasn't dead. He was just stunned really bad. And so she picked him up, she ran to the kitchen sink, turned on the cold water to wash him off because he was covered in dust. Just about drowned the poor bird in that water. It's just pouring on him. And now he's, he's quivering and he's shaking. And so she took him, and rather than get a towel or something, she just ran to the bathroom, got the, the hair dryer, turned it on high, and blew him dry. A reporter supposedly found out about this story, what happened to Chippy, and he called him a couple of weeks later to see how Chippy's doing. And she said, and I quote, I have the story right here. She said, I quote, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. <laughs> Some of you know what it's like when life has just sucked the song right out of you. I got a Christmas card, Lisa and I did, this year from some friends in North Carolina where we used to pastor, and, and even though it's been almost 20 years now, they still send us Christmas cards every year. Uh, Dell and Deborah uh, go, they have a duet, they sing together, and they'll sing in our church, and they, or they were in our church when we were in North Carolina, and they'd sing at other churches around, and, and, but, and they just had this wonderful marriage and this wonderful ministry of going around and singing together, but something's happened this year. I kind of took the song right out, right, of, right out of her. I want to read you part of the card that, that she wrote. She, her dad died this year, and, and I wasn't able to go to the funeral, but I did write something out and sent it to the funeral, and someone read it during the service. And here's what she wrote to me. She said, Keith, thanks for your words that were read at my dad's funeral. It meant a lot. Uh, my world, listen to this, my world fell apart. After losing dad in May and then learning two months later that Dale had prostate cancer, her husband. He had to have surgery to remove the prostate, but the PATH report wasn't what we'd hoped for. The cancer had grown outside the prostate and now he has to have six weeks of radiation. We don't know yet if, he, if it's spread any other organs. There'll be more tests to find that out. And here's what she said that caught, 
really caught me. She said, I just can't lose my husband too. In times like that, the temptation is fivefold. Temptation is to, get, is to get angry or to worry or to get depressed or to doubt what you once took for granted or to ask, why me? What if? What if God is working in your life even when it doesn't look like it or feel like it? That's the promise of Romans 8.28. Now here's what I want to do. Before we dig into that promise, I want to make sure we don't just lift it out of context. I want to make sure we see it within the context of Scripture. And so let's go back to Romans chapter 8, and beginning in verse 18. In verse 18 through verses 30, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the very real problem of suffering and pain. In verses 18 through 30, Paul is writing about the, the fact that Though we are Christians, we are also people who experience trials and tragedies. And he writes about that in very real ways. In fact, here's what he says in verse 18. I consider that our present, what's that next word? Our present what? Sufferings. Are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian, but I also have sufferings. There's some hard times in my life. I I consider that our present sufferings are not worth, worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I would encourage you to under, underline those two words, in us. What Paul is telling us in verse 18 is those things that happen to us are part of what God is doing in us. That might be a good thing for you to write down. Those things that are happening to us is part of what God is doing in us. Paul says, I consider that the present sufferings, those things that are happening to me, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So Paul is saying that that indeed we do have times and trials and tragedies in our lives. And then skip on down to verse 26. In those times when trials do come, in those times when the trials are more than we can bear, And we're so troubled that we can't even pray. We are so troubled that the words, there are no words that will even come to our mouths or our minds. In those times when we are so overwhelmed with grief that we don't know even what to say to God, Paul says, in those times, verse 26, in those times, the Holy Spirit of God becomes our prayer partner. Here's what he says in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our what? In our weakness, those times when we are weak physically, emotionally, spiritually, those times when we want to quit, those times when we are weak and we want to give up, those times when we are weak and we're angry, those times when when we're weak and mad at God, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans. It is such a deep problem that the Spirit Himself is groaning with word that words cannot express. So Paul is saying, before we even get to the promise of verse 28, Paul is saying, listen, I want you to understand something. Believers, Christians, you need to understand trials and tragedies are part of life and they will be part of your life. And you're not exempt from them. But what if... What if, during those trials and tragedies that are part of your life, God is doing something in your life? 
what if, even though it doesn't look like it, feel like it, or seem like it? What if God's at work? That's the context for verse 28. And so we go back to verse 28. I'm going to read it one more time. Look at the text as I read. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Please understand, now that we've got the verse in context, this is not a promise for those who are having a good time in life. This is not a promise for those who are happy in life. This is not a promise for those who are experiencing no problems in life. This is not a promise for those who have just got everything they want and no problems. and no. This, this is not who that's for. This is for those for whom the trials of life have sucked the song out of their heart. And there's five important realities about this promise that someone has called a soft pillow for a long night. And here's the five realities. I'm just going to walk through the verse, take it apart, and kind of put it back together for you. So first of all, as, I'm, as I look at this promise, there's five realities. Number one, this is a certain promise. This promise from God is a certain promise. He says, and we know. Look at the certainty in his voice. Paul is not speculating that perhaps God is in control. He is reminding us of what we already know, but sometimes forget in the panic and in the pain that our lives are in God's hands. We can forget that. We can lose perspective of that. If life has thrown you a curve lately, something just didn't turn out the way you planned it, then you need to understand the Bible says you can have certainty that God is working in your life even in the toughest of times. Let me put it this way. Even when life is uncertain, you can be certain. Even when life is uncertain, you can be certain. The Apostle Paul said in verse 28, and we know. This this is indeed a certain promise. Number two, the second reality is that this is a comprehensive promise. It's comprehensive. He says, and we know that in all things. Would you say say these two words with me? All things. Say it. All things, including those things you don't like. All things, including those things that you don't understand. All things, including those things you would never choose. All things, including those things you could never explain. All things, including those things that broke your heart. Not some things, not most things, but all things. You see, Paul is saying, listen, I want you to understand something about God. He doesn't just work in the happy times. God is at work in all things. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, some of the times that I've grown the most have been those times when I've hurt the most. Maybe you can say that too. When you look back on your life, some of the times when you have grown the most in your walk with God are those times when you have hurt the most. He is Lord of all things. And negative events can have positive outcomes because He is Lord of all things. At any given point in time, you can look at your situation and say, I can't see it, I don't feel it, I don't understand it, but I'm claiming this promise because... God is who He says He is, that there's always something bigger happening than what I can see. 
all things. This is a comprehensive promise. There's nothing that comes into your life that God can't use. All things. Thirdly, this is a complex promise. Because he says, in all things, these next two words are important, in all things, God works. Mark that, underline it, highlight it. Somehow acknowledge this important part of the promise. God works. The word works implies that God is present, God is active, God is engaged in your life. In all things, God is active, God is present, God is engaged in your life. And in all things, God is working. Which brings up a question, doesn't it? If God is working, then why did this happen? If God is working, then why didn't she get better? If God is working, why can't we pay our bills? If God is working, then why are we hurting so much? If God is working, then why, why, why? Everybody look here, I want to tell you something. We assume, myself included, we assume that if God is working, then that means everything will be good and pleasant. Right? God is a good God. And if God is working, then what happens to me ought to be good. But the ways of God include a wide variety of experiences and circumstances that ultimately can bring about His good plan. I've, I've, I've seen people go through so many things as a pastor. I've been pastoring now almost 30 years. I know I don't look that old, but I know I look a lot younger than that. But I've been pastoring almost 30 years. I was thinking last night of all of the things I've seen people endure. All the heartaches I've seen people experience. The tragedies that I've walked with them through. And what I recognize as I thought about that is that throughout life, there will be some breakthroughs and there will be some breakdowns. Throughout life, there will be some trials and there will be some triumphs. Throughout life, there will be some things that are amazing. And there will be some things that are awful. There will be some joys that are unexpected. And there will be some problems that are unexplainable. And yet the scripture says every heartache, every disappointment, every battle, every trial, every tragedy, behind it all, God is saying this. I'm working in this. I promise. I'm working in this. I promise. Now now that doesn't mean that he caused it all. But he can work through it all. You see, nothing comes into the life of a child of God without either Him sending it or Him allowing it. And if He sent it or allowed it, He will not waste it. I'm working in this. I promise. Now, let me say to you, and I'm trying to say this with a heart of compassion. If, you, if your life is confusing, if your life is frustrating, or even heartbreaking... Please don't forget this promise and please understand 
that God is at work. Your life is still in His hands. Your future is still in His hands. And whether you can see it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether you even believe it or not, His promise is, I'm working in this. But fourthly, the fourth reality about this promise is that it is a comforting promise. Because look what he says. Verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good. What does it mean that he's working for our good? If you'll skip down to verse 29, you'll find the answer to that question. What does it mean that God's working for our good? Verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. God's ultimate goal is to make you like Jesus. His ultimate goal is not your happiness. His ultimate goal is holiness. It's to make you like Jesus. What he does may or may not make you happy, but it it is always intended to move you towards being holy. It's God's ultimate goal was our happiness. If that was his real goal, then everything that happened to us would be happy. It would all be good. It would all be fun. Happiness is a response to our circumstances. Holiness is the result of growing through those circumstances. This verse does not say, nor has it ever said, that everything in life is good. This verse says that everything in life can be used to bring about good as He makes you more like Jesus. So he, He's going to do what will bring, him the, bring you the greatest good and bring Him the greatest glory. And He says, I, I'm working in this. I promise. Now, the fifth reality that I want you to see is this is also a conditional promise. It's a promise that doesn't apply to everybody. Now, there are promises in the Bible and scriptures in the Bible that apply to everybody that are unconditional. There are promises in the Bible that are unconditional, but some promises in Scripture are conditional. They have a condition attached to them. This is one of those promises. It has a condition attached to it. The condition is found in the second part of verse 28. Let's just start at the first of the verse again. And we know that in all things God works for the good. And here's the condition. Of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. The condition attached to it is that you have to love God and be called according to His purpose. Or or desiring to live in His will. In other words, this is a promise for God's children. This is a promise for God's people. This verse does not say that good things will happen to all people. It is a promise that even though trials and tragedies come, God will accomplish His purpose in the lives of His people. This is not a promise for those who do not know God. But it is a promise for those who do. For those who know God personally, God says, I'm working in this. I'm working through this. I promise. Now, let me just have your attention for about three more minutes. It's awful easy to quote that verse. And it's fairly easy, though it's somewhat uncomfortable, it's fairly easy to preach about that verse. Because you see, I don't have to get in the car and go to your home and face what you're facing. 
It's easy for me to quote this because I don't have to go to the doctor with you this week. It's easy for me to reference this and say God's working, I promise, because I don't have to struggle with some of the things you're struggling with. Now, I have my own problems. I have my own issues that I'm dealing with. I'm not saying that I'm free of everything and who knows what tomorrow will bring for me or for my family. What I'm saying is this. This verse is easy to quote, but it's harder to claim. But what if, what if it was true? What if this is a promise that you can claim? What if, even though you don't see it or feel it, or maybe even believe it, what if God really is at work through this trial, this tragedy, this turmoil that you find yourself in? After the first service, a visitor spoke to me. He said, you don't know how much this message has meant to me my wife is going to go have a test tomorrow. Check her bone marrow. We got a bad report. And he told me again, you just don't know how much this has helped me. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take Romans 8.28, especially if your life is filled with tragedy and turmoil and trials. And maybe it's in years past, maybe it's in weeks past, or maybe you're living in it right now. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take Romans 8.28, and every day I'm going to ask you to read it. Every day I'm going to ask you to live in Romans 8.28. And I'm going to ask you to claim that promise. That promise. And here's what I would suggest. I would suggest that you turn it into a prayer. And at the end of your quiet time every day, I'd suggest you for the next seven days at least, open the Scripture and make Romans 8.28 part of your prayer. Just pray it back to God. Pray it and say it until you believe it. God is at work in your life. Even when it doesn't look like it. Or feel like it. And I hope that somewhere down the line. A month from now. A year from now. Or years from now that you might be able to look back on this time and say, during that time when I hurt the most, during that time when I hurt the most, I grew the most in my faith. And God kept His promise. Let me pray with you about that. Father, it's times like this when we recognize that we certainly do need something more than we have. We need strength we don't have. We need hope that we've lost. We need comfort that we can't provide. We need your presence. And we need your promise. I pray for the dear folks of this congregation, some of whom are dealing with, with problems that are just overwhelming. And I know that my words will not bring any comfort, but I pray that your word will. I pray that your word will give them hope. And as they each day live in Romans 28, 28, I pray that your word will give them peace. And your word will reassure them. And may they claim the promise 
that you are at work, even if they don't see it or feel it. Thank you that you're faithful to your word and faithful to your promise. And may your spirit show us what our eyes cannot see. And I pray that in Christ's name.